Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of a raw dog feeding company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Well, it is Friday, and can you believe it? Dr. Judy Jasek is back with us in the form of live, in the form of live, not in the form of recorded, I should say. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, moving on, little new... Uh, New direction in my career here, going uh, exclusively telemedicine. So I'm ex- and uh, looking forward to moving into some other things, doing some online educational programs, and um, excited to be having a little a little shift in things. It's it's uh, just sometimes it's time to do that. Well, and you can reach far more people by what you're going to do because if you train vets to do mm-hmm. what you do, then they have their entire client base, right? So it's like that little tree and um you can help all of those folks and you can still help all of us through telemedicine, right? So Absolutely. you can go do your blood work and bring it back and you can still read that. Um you can look a dog over zoom you can uh read the the results from any vet so it's not it's not as if you're going away you're just expanding that's it right right i'm expanding and i feel like this is positioning me to actually do more and have more of an influence on the profession which I would like to do. I would like to participate in creating a paradigm shift in veterinary medicine such that people realize, you know, what true health is and what true healing is and that we don't need all these pharmaceuticals and vaccines and these awful prescription diets that don't actually make, well, they make, they don't help pets stay healthier. They actually make pets sicker. And it just seems like it's very hard for people to, to realize that, to, to see that. And especially the veterinary profession. And I I just have to believe that there's veterinarians out there that are seeing this and just don't know what to do with that. They don't know. They're afraid to go out on their own. They're afraid they're going against their training. So they might lose their license. And yeah, if I could get more vets out practicing this way and having the confidence to to do this, then, you know, I can reach a whole lot more people all over the country, maybe even worldwide. So do you think that the schools put this fear in um, the new vets minds and, and then the corporate clinics do so that you don't step outside of the box. You don't realize that maybe some of the things that you think you can't do because you're going to be uh, knocked upside of the head by some regulatory um, association. They do that on purpose. You think? Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause it's all, it's all affiliated. I mean, who's funding the vet schools it's big pharma. And in the case of veterinary, schools, the big food companies, and they're really all these big corporate conglomerates anyway. I don't think there's all that many 
true, like different, when you get up to the, who's the big corporate umbrella, there aren't very many. I, I don't know exactly how many, but I, there's probably only three or four big corporate umbrellas that own all these other little, uh, corporations and so they're all in cahoots and they fund the the veterinary schools they fund the research at the veterinary schools and then they tell them what to teach and that's you know that might be a hard pill to swallow (laughs) no pun intended there but um but that's the way it is that's the reality it's the way it was when i was in school i didn't realize it when i was in school but i can see it now Like, why do vets not get any training in nutrition? Why is the only thing they're taught to recommend and sell prescription diets? And why is it that if you go to a a conventional veterinary conference, who's funding the continuing education for nutrition? It's these same big companies. It's Hills and Perina and Royal Canaan. They're funding the education. So what do you think they're going to teach you to sell? They're not going to teach you to not sell their food, like look at where the money's coming from. And they put on oh, dinners and luncheons and all this stuff. They wine and dine the veterinarians at these, at these conferences. And then they don't, the veterinarians don't have to think about nutrition. They don't have to learn anything about nutrition. You just go to a little bit. I remember when I was in, in a more conventional practice many, many years ago, decades ago, and you get this little booklet from Hills, you know, Hills has all the letters they have, you know, AD and CD and DD and JD. They probably have the whole alphabet by now, but you just go to the, you know, the, what's your, what's your diagnosis? We got, got skin stuff. Okay. Here's the, you know, one of the three diets that you can choose. And then based on symptoms, choose the diet. There you go. You're done. You don't even have to use an active brain cell. And that's exactly what they want. They do not want practitioners thinking on their own. And and I think one of the saddest things that I've seen in practice, and I see this in human medicine and and in veterinary medicine, is the lack of credence that we give to clinical observations. There's no research studies that I can go to for a lot of what I do, but I've been doing this for 35 years and I've seen what I do work. And I don't need a research study to tell me that. And I know a lot of research studies are bogus anyway, because they're funded by companies that are looking for an outcome. And sadly, a lot of research is they decide what outcome they want, and then they build the study to create that outcome. It's not the other way around. There's not very much really good, pure pure research out there. But what about just a clinician observing? Gee, every time I give a dog a lepto shot, for example... They get sick. They get, I see more skin disease. I see more cancer. I am, you know, I see more GI disease when, after I give these vaccines, I give a dog a rabies shot and it has a seizure. Gee, do you think there's a connection there? You know, practitioners don't think that way. I think that way. And I connect these dots. That's why I spend so much time with my clients. Okay. Do your dog started seizuring a month after its last rabies shot? Maybe that had something to do with it. You know, and I'm I'm about to the point that I don't even I don't want to vaccinate anymore with anything, you know, just do no sods and um I'm doing telemedicine anyway, so I don't have to worry about that. But um but, but you will but you will be able to recommend that and I'll be able to rec- recommend that. Yes, and I can still provide I'm still gonna provide things like no so so somebody like you don't want to vaccinate. And you're interested in getting no soaps. I can still provide those. We're still going to provide all of our products. Um, we'll, we'll mail things to people so that you can 
you can get those things. Um, but, but what happened to just this, you know, clinical observation, you know, what's going on in human medicine, lots of people have gotten sick after this, you know, COVID shot, but you know, it's safe and effective. Doctors still talk people into, into getting them and all these people dropping dead around the world, athletes, all of a sudden dropping dead of myo myocarditis. The, the latest thing I heard, the reason for that is people are so scared of the unvaccinated that it's causing cardiac disease. Okay. Now, you know, I mean, uh, there's nothing that we can do if people want to put their brain on park with the, 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 yeah. there's nothing that we can do about that. And, um, you know, except let you go down that path. And I, I have seen, I know personally many people that have died and it does not make sense. And if you listen to how many people have been taken out of the um, employment pool, there's a ton. Yeah. So it's not that people don't want to work. It's that either um, there is something going on where they can't think straight, they're uh, physically unable, or maybe they're not even here anymore. But mm -hmm. um there is definitely something going on. And yet we would think, because we're logical thinkers, that they would pull this off the market. That is not happening, guys. It is still going forward. And mm -hmm. it's going forward full force in the dog world as well. Um, you had sent me, Dr. Jasek, an article in regards to a new... <laughs> as if we need one more damn vaccine, um, mm -hmm. but a new vaccine that is out there. Um, uh, so let's talk about that. What is this new vaccine that's out there and what seems to be the issue uh, with this that you and I have looked at? Well, they're, they're touting this as a safer vaccine. It says they calling it an ultra vaccine, you know, they, you know, uh, so much of this is is just marketing. You know, there's a lot of words that you'll read in an ad. Now, this ad is is targeted towards practitioners, but veterinarians are you know just as vulnerable to to marketing. So, true can ultra. So it's an ultra vaccine. So, what is your mindset? Oh, it must be better than because it's ultra. It's not just a regular vaccine. It, it's it must be better. And it says trusted safe. Uh, safety, uncompromised efficacy. So what is that? Those are just words. Doesn't tell you a thing. And it it says in a field trial of 15,000 doses, only six adverse events were reported. So that actually doesn't tell you anything either. What's the field trial? What dogs were they? Did they do certain certain breeds, certain ages? It says doses. It doesn't even say they gave them. Maybe they didn't even give them to docs. I mean, what's a field study of 15,000 doses? It doesn't even say what they what they did. They're not giving you any details as to what, what they even did. And so it says six adverse events. Well, what were the adverse events, you know? And and how long, Dr. Jasek? So we yeah. saw this in the in the um we see this in the current vaccines, right? So people will say to us all the time, well, my dog had a rabies shot and there was no, uh, they didn't have any issue. N not right then, but quite possibly um, 
it was a year later in in this particular trial how long did they wait before you know maybe dogs were dropping dead or having seizures or this or that does it say that oh we waited 30 minutes and there were no there were six you know six dogs dropped dead within 30 minutes like that's significant even if it is only six because you know sure don't want that to be your dog or your patient right right and so I always find and 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 look at what we saw um, from Fauci, who is now, you know, I hopefully <laughs> going to be in trouble. I don't think he is, but uh, hopefully. Um, uh, evidently, but, when they question him, he has amnesia. He just doesn't remember anything that he course. ever said or did. Just can't remember. I must have just I just guess I just am old. I just forgot. Anyway, the man with ahead. everything to say. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying that. I also listened to an interview with Steve Hirsch uh, or Kirsch, and he was talking about how he was bringing so much evidence to all of these different organizations, and yet they didn't want to look at the evidence. If you can not look at evidence, you are not uh, beholden to any kind of punishment, I guess. Hey, I didn't know. I didn't. I, I know that they brought the evidence to me, but I didn't want to see it, and therefore I should be uh, – you know, released of any responsibility. That seems to be the way that everything goes, right? Um, but but think about it. What industry, Dr. Jacek, if, if I was going to say um, the industry that does not question vaccines is going to be the pet industry. Humans mm-hmm. maybe have been asking questions, pushing back, call them, you know, vaccine hesitancy. Uh, I call them, you know, super smart people. But um, there is not much questioning that goes on in the dog world. It's like, well, my vet said it. Right. Okay. Well, is there a possibility that maybe your vet never questioned anything in its in, in their life? Is there a possibility that your vet is a, I go along to get along? Is there a possibility that your vet is just not that type of person who pushes back on anything? I mean, is there a possibility that that, that would be right? Right. And put on top of that, you know, so many clinics are now owned by these big corporations and the vets have to fill quotas because so if a corporation says, we need to, we're, we're getting in this new vaccine and I expect all of you to, you know, be giving it. And then they're looking at how many doses of this vaccine they dispense or, per, or prescribe for their, for their patients. And if they don't make their quotas, they could be out of a job. You know, that's, that's what um, a lot of vets are up against and, and, and the marketing. I'm actually reading a book right now. It's really interesting. It's called the empire of pain. And it's about, the human, the, the onset basically of the opioid epidemic and how that kind of all came to be, but where it starts out in this, this has been really interesting to me because it just makes so much sense. There, there were these three brothers, the the Sackler brothers, and they were all LMDs, all psychiatrists, but the oldest brother he got, not only was he a medical professional, but he got into advertising and he figured out how to market pharmaceuticals to doctors. And it's all about languaging, not about any validity of the drugs. He, because he was a doctor himself, he knows how doctors think and he knows what words doctors are going to want to hear in order to encourage them to prescribe something to their patients. So 
a lot of these ads that you read, you know, all the human pharmaceuticals in this vaccine ad for vets is a perfect example. They just use these cool words and they make it sound really good. And for some reason, the medical professionals, they they just don't ask any questions. Like you said, they just go, oh, this is the latest thing. Must be good. It says it's ultra and it's going to improve my patient's vaccine experience. So it must be good, right? Like, and I, it baffles me that medical practitioners will just fall for this, but, but they do. And the, and what's just so sick and scary about this is it's all been programmed. Like we've just been programmed. Well, I, I can honestly say I am not currently programmed by the pharmaceutical industry, but a lot of medical practitioners and including veterinarians are just they're programmed by this marketing. The the rep comes in and buys you lunch and, you know, maybe does a little slideshow on how great this vaccine is and puts up some charts about some pretend studies that they supposedly did. And then, and then, and then, and not only is this a cool product, but guess how much money you can make selling it, you know? So then they they sell you on the on the profit margin too. And that's how medicines get introduced to practitioners. It is not about health. It's not about safety. It's not about benefit to your pet. It it's marketing and profit. That's that's the industry, and it's it's really quite sad. It is very sad. And it, the other thing, this is a leptospirosis vaccine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's been a lot of bad press out there about leptospirosis. Uh, people are still doing it. Even people that live in freaking apartment complexes that are in the middle of the city. Now, why would you do that? Uh, because I- there might be a mouse that gets into your apartment that <laughs> pees somewhere and your dog might lick up the mouse pee, I'm guessing. I, I don't know. It, uh, <laughs> you know, as I've said a gazillion times, I live in the mountains and I would never I would never put this in my dog. And I have all types of species around me all the time. Fox, skunk, deer, elk, mountain lions, foxes, you know, coyotes, um, you know, squirrels, chipmunkles. I've got them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know what I find interesting about this advertisement that that you sent me that you got as a vet was basically you and I were talking about this, that they're admitting that mm-hmm. there have been problems with the leptospirosis um, vaccine. Therefore, we're going to give you this new vaccine that are going to have less problems with it, right? It's not saying we're there's not going to be any problems. We're maybe going to have a little less problems with this vaccine. Right. They're already admitting that. And, you know, if it, I, I would, so it says true can ultra good, clean, fun. What does that have to do with what's in this vaccine? Okay. One. And number two, you know, Dr. Jasek, isn't it true that if your pet was going to get this leptospirosis, you know, virus, so to say, so to speak, and you were going to create a vaccine against that, you would actually need to know in your area what the strain is of that, right? And then create a vaccine that would actually attack that sort of DNA or um, protect you against that sort of strain that's out there. Um, 
wouldn't that be impossible by the time you created it? Wouldn't it have mutated into something else? Well, sure. It sure could. You know, that's the thing about lepto is there's all these different serovars, these different types of the, of the leptospirosis organism. And, you know, most vaccines I think contain like four or five different types. So you really have no idea if it's even protective and it has such a, just a huge reaction rate. Just, I mean, I see more reactions to these vaccines that, that contain lepto and, and to boot they're usually, it's usually a big combination. So there's five or six different things in them. And so they react that much more to them. Um, but, but yeah, you have, you have no idea if it's, if it's going to be effective. And, and then, you know, I hear things like this, people come in and said, well, there's bunny poop in my yard. Well, lepto is spread in the urine, not spread in the poop. So the vets don't even know what the, sorry about that. The vets don't even know what they're talking about as far as how these things are transmitted. It, it's an organism that lives in the urinary tract and it is spread in the urine. So they're not going to get it from bunny poop. And is your dog likely to actually ingest bunny pee in your backyard? I doubt it. You know, like, like just the, if you think about the actual, if you know what the organism is and where it lives in the body and how it's spread and you actually do a risk assessment, I mean, what are your dog's chances of even, even getting this? And if you put that up against the risk of the vaccine, I mean, I haven't, I have, I haven't given a lepto vaccine in many years, a couple of decades, probably, because I just saw these, these reactions early on and like, yeah, it's, it's a thing. It's something dogs can get, but, it, but if you keep your dog healthy, if you focus on the good diet, you keep the immune system strong, there's a pretty darn good chance, even if they get exposed to it, that their body's going to be able to handle it and eliminate it. This whole thing about the only way to keep your pet healthy in the, in the standard of gold standard of care is taking your vet into the vet, your pet into the vet every year for these vaccines. Like how about we just keep their bodies healthy and they don't even, they don't need the vaccines. They get exposed to something. They they'll, they'll be fine. Their bodies can, can handle these, these exposures if they're healthy and they're not you know, being poisoned with bad food. And I think these very early vaccines, you know, these puppies that get vaccines at five, six weeks of age, I think that can permanently disrupt their immune system function. So they end up just making them sicker, you know, not, not healthier. You don't say. I do say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's, it's so funny, uh, you know, pet parents say to me all the time, well, I have to, according to who? You know, right. uh, I mean, that that I hear that a lot. Well, I have to do, and I want to say you have to do it because you are choosing to go right. on vacation. You are choosing to put them in a boarding facility. You are choosing to do certain things, okay, that would require that. But you don't have to. And and so we, we, we've just got to, pushback. We've got to question more. And you've got to understand that that is a huge, a huge risk to their health. And so if you're prepared for that, start putting money back, 
I mean, it's 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 really insane. Dr. Jasek, I had a new customer that came in the other day and um, they had some supplements and I'd not met them before. And I said, what, what are we getting these supplements for? You know, it was a gut soothe and a healthy gut because I said, what's going on with your dog? And they had one roll of food. Well, my dog's been diagnosed with pancreatitis. Okay. And uh, I said, well, can you explain that to me? You know, what's going on? Uh, I said, any vomiting, any loose stools? No, 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 no. Um, any, um, you know, uh, soreness in the abdominal, any reaction if you push? No, loves to have his belly scratched. I said, well, well, why are we thinking that this dog has pancreatitis? Well, they took it to the vet. Uh, and that's what the vet said. And I said, well, why did we take the dog to the vet? Well, the vet was the vet. The dog was bowing a lot. Bowing. Okay. Do you, mm -hmm. you know, on his front paws, butt in the mm -hmm. air. Downward dog. It's also a yoga move. There you go. Downward dog. <laughs> uh, but was not coming up and doing the back leg stretch, but it was just doing the downward dog. And I said, well, Okay. Um, and he, and he said, and the dog appeared to be very needy, um, and did appear that he could not get comfortable. Like when he would lay down, maybe his back legs were kind of twitching and that sort of thing. So they took him in and they spent all this money going through these MRIs and mm. doing all this. And the vets put him on a chicken and rice, um, uh, diet, Boiled chicken and rice, their favorite, for two weeks, so they couldn't get the poops right. So then they thought that was pancreas. I said, it's probably just because you you're feeding it inappropriate food. Um, but that was it. That was it. And and I checked back with them today, and I said, how we doing? Um, how we doing? Um, and the dog, um, you know, is he said the dog has way more energy now that we've put him on this food. And he's really getting used to it. And um, there, we we suggested that he go see Dr. Andy. Could be any kind of a back problem. Could be any kind of um, a rib cage problem that he might be having. But pancreatitis, Dr. Jasek? What? Yeah, I, that's another one. So this is another trend that I've seen in, in the profession are like these like sort of pet diagnoses, like things go in trends. Like pancreatitis has been getting like more and more and more common. I just see more and more and more pets diagnosed with pancreatitis, but without true, I, I mean, true diagnostics, it's presumptive. So I guess that's what I've seen is, is an increase in presumptive diagnosis. So a dog bowing, that's not pancreatitis. Could there be a little bit of abdominal pain or something's uncomfortable? Sure. But like you said, that could be back. It could be, I mean, anything, but true pancreatitis, these dogs are sick. I mean, they're so sick. They usually need to be hospitalized and put on fluids because they cannot hold down anything. And I mean, nothing. They take a sip of water and they vomit it back up. So if they don't, if they're not hospitalized and put on fluids, um, they'll, they'll get dehydrated, like really severely dehydrated. So they need the fluids. Plus anytime they ingest anything, even liquids, 
it it keeps the pancreas because you're stimulating the pancreas more because the pancreas secretes digestive enzymes one one of its jobs it does other things but anytime they ingest something orally it stimulates the pancreas so you have to keep them hydrated but they can have nothing orally and it's usually for like three or four days and these dogs i mean they are sick and they are super painful this isn't like a gee, this dog seems a little uncomfortable. I bet it's probably pancreatitis. Like, where does that come from? You know, and it's like, if they can name something, then they can prescribe a treatment. That's conventional medicine. Don't look at the dog and say, look, this dog's doing this. Why would a dog assume this position? Maybe something's uncomfortable. Okay, what things could make the dog uncomfortable? You know, they, they have to, if in conventional medicine, they have to name something and then they have a treatment protocol for it. And then they can justify whatever they do. Okay, it's pancreatitis. What what does my you know computer algorithm say are appropriate treatments for pancreatitis? Well, we'll do antibiotics and steroids and and some anti nausea and you know, well they treat pretty much any GI disease with those things. But that's what that's the typical protocol um, that you'd be giving a dog. So why would you be giving a dog with this and this, you know, discomfort, if it's truly intestinal or stomach discomfort, a bunch of drugs that are going to irritate the GI tract even more like that doesn't make any sense. So to me, that's just, just a blatant misdiagnosis. We just are grasping at something, you know, we just need to name this something because then otherwise we don't know how to treat it if we don't name it something. It's, it's just, it's just awful. Like the quality of medicine has just so gone down, gone downhill. Well, they did prescribe antibiotics. Come on. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Cause they're to support big pharma. I was like, so what was the bacterial infection that they found to uh, give the antibiotics for? Right. Oh, none, none. Okay. And, and the question was, um, is your dog running? Yeah. Is he jumping? Yeah. Running and jumping no digestive stress, no vomiting. What, what would lead you to believe this is pancreatitis? So it was, it, it, it's quite interesting. Um, some of the things that come out and I just had a, a phone call prior to the podcast where a customer who was a raw feeder, something or is a raw. Okay. The put the raw feeding on pause. Let's say it like that. Um, dog, something went to the vet, the vets put them on prescription diet and now this dog is sick. So they called me and said, um, now my vet saying that I, if I'm going to go back to raw, it needs to be low fat, you know, uh, because my dog has pancreatitis from the prescription diet. So what do I need to do? Um, and we don't typically see that, you know, raw fat is an issue, but stay within those, you know, 10%. The Wolfram Plus is 8%. It's pretty low. Wolfram Plus, you've got the beef blend, 80, 10, 10, uh, probably the rabbit and tripe. I mean, I, but, but I'm just, I'm just like, what is going on with this pancreatitis diagnosis? And I think what you said is it, it's just a catch all. Sounds really good. I can't figure it out. So we're going to go in this direction. Um, so again, just more things that our pet parents need to be aware of and question. Um, mm-hmm. I had I had someone else who 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 was talking to me who said that they had a vet who said if you put your dog on uh, a raw diet, uh, they are going to die, and we have the studies to prove it. And <laughs> she said, "Well, I I would like to read that study." 
Mm-hmm. Me because too. She's a, I would like to read that study. Because she's an engineer and she said, maybe they didn't think I could really read. But um, she said, come to find out the study was with one dog. <laughs> a study yeah. of one dog. And, yeah. and I said, and in that study, did they consider um, – what the type of raw diet was and oh it had a it had a gut back uh, bacterial infection and so it died and i said and do we know in the study how many antibiotics how many you know immune suppressant drugs how many toxic drugs how many vaccines fleantic or were any of those considered in that particular study of course not so how can that be a legitimate study that someone who has gone through veterinarian school, uh, veterinary school, would even bother to hand out as validation? <laughs> what? It's it's yeah. it's so. I I, I know no, the whole world. Is, it does. <laughs> I know the whole world has not gone mad. Dr. Jasek, but sometimes it does seem like it. Well, like, like you said, people just don't question. Like people don't question their doctors. Doctors don't question research studies or what the pharmaceutical rep is. You know what a pharmaceutical rep is? Is they're, they're just trained to recite a script. They don't know medicine. They're not medically trained. They're people that are, you know, willing to drive around and go in and out of vet clinics and just just repeat this script that they've been taught in their marketing meeting. That's all it is. And that is what doctors make their their treatment decisions on. That is just so that is so wrong, but that is the real world. And that's what people need to realize when they go into the vet, that your vet makes a recommendation on some fabulous new treatment or some fabulous, you know, new vaccine like the one we were talking about. Chances are they're making that recommendation based only on what the pharmaceutical rep told them. And that is nothing more than than marketing. I, I used to make a game out of it when I had my, my bigger clinic years ago. These reps would come in and I just loved asking questions till like I'd stump them. And they finally <laughs> quit coming in <laughs> like talking to me. <laughs> they're like people that just roll over and you buy them lunch and they just buy your stuff and then they move on to the next clinic. But it was like, okay, how many questions do I have to ask before I ask them something that they really don't know? And it didn't take very many because they don't know. They just, they have their script. They have, you know, okay, these are the questions you're probably going to have to answer. This is what you tell the doctors. And, and um, that's usually what thing, you know, the way things go, but you start asking them questions and it's, it's very easy to stump them because they don't know their products. And it's not that they're bad people. They're just doing their job. But you have to realize that this is what doctors are basing their treatment recommendations on. And how how scary is that, that most vets are not investigating these drugs? They're probably not even reading the label insert. They're not asking questions like, how many dogs were actually studied before you put this out there? You know, like you were saying, study of one, that's not a study. You know, that's one dog and with a whole bunch of unknown variables. And that's that's really, really scary. And that's why, you know, people, you just have to advocate for your pets. Ask questions. Clinic requires vaccines. Say, why does my dog have to have a vaccine to come in for some health condition when the vaccine label says they should only be given to healthy pets anyway? So why are you 
insisting that my dog have an updated vaccine when that could actually make its medical condition worse. You know, let's look at that. Would you bring that label? Like, let's, let's look at that package insert together. Let's see what the side effects of this vaccine are. You know, challenge these vets. You know, that's what they need. They're just so used to people complying and not not pushing back. And it is not illegal. This is the, the thing I hear all the time, drives me crazy. People are told that it is illegal for a veterinarian to treat a pet without a current rabies shot. And I'm like, that is just, that's a flat out lie. It's not illegal. Like it's nothing on the vet. All the vet is required to do is to educate you. And I know in Colorado, if you actually read the Practice Act, it says right in our state practice act for veterinarians, we are supposed to be providing informed consent. That means should be getting complete information, pros and cons on everything that, that the vet is recommending. And I'm betting that happens rarely, less Never. than 1% of the time. If that, that's probably, probably, yeah, being, being generous. So there's a lot of I, flat out lies out there. Um, and, and these lies, you know, it's like you say something over and over and over again and enough times and people start to take it as the truth. And I mean, come on, when, when's the last time anybody diagnosed a case of rabies in a dog? I, I mean, I, I don't even know of any, you know, it's because this- the vaccines are working. <laughs> right. Stop it. And that's what the, and that's, that is what they'll say. That's because the vac, that's because the vaccines are working. That's true. Okay. Well, why don't we just stop all that, you know? And, 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 and the reason that I think that I know that they want to shun you for asking questions because we can't have a control group, right? You cannot have a control group that might show something else. And I, I would say there's one thing, one thing that absolutely happened in the last two years that should wake us up more than anything. And that is when the FDA, they wanted what, 75 years or the pharmaceutical companies, right? They wanted 75 years to reveal their safety and efficacy test. They wanted 75 years. Why? Well, they'd be dead. And, And probably all the people that really were concerned about it and were affected by it would be dead as well. But if you have nothing to hide, Dr. Jasek, why do you need to hide it for 75 years? Come on. Exactly. That should scare the sphincter right off your, right off your hiney bow. I mean, it really should. It should. That should be enough right there to raise suspicion, but it doesn't because, you know, as long as the doctor says you should get the jab or even worse, you know, the talking head on the nightly news says, oh, get out, get your, you know, your, your COVID vaccine, you know, and keep, keep your relatives safe at, you know, during the holidays so that, you know, you don't let anybody else get sick or scare them into a heart attack because you're not vaccinated, <laughs> which still makes me laugh. Um but that's the ridiculous propaganda that people actually believe. But when they, when you hear something like, yeah, they want 75 years to release this information, like what? You, I mean, that should, that's just blatantly telling you they're, they're hiding stuff. Cause yeah, if this thing were perfectly safe. Why wouldn't they put the information out? And the information that has come out since now they've been required to release some of this is 
just so scary, just so scary. The stuff that they found during their research, it is, it is not safe. And this is the same industry that is producing products in veterinary medicine. We are just a branch of the same. I mean, Pfizer is now Zoetis on the veterinary side, but it's all the same industry and with all the same motivation, which is just just to make money. And, and I think they keep up the narrative in veterinary medicine, you know, for vaccines, just to keep people in the habit of complying, comply, 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 give more vaccines. Vaccines are good. They want to keep that narrative going. And then people will, you know, apply that to the, to the human medicine side. It's, it's all the same industry and it's, and it's really the same narrative and uh, people just gotta, gotta wake up to it or, People are going to keep dying and pets are going to keep dying unnecessarily. Well, I say to people all the time, listen, um, it, you can give your dog the best diet in the world. You can give your dog the best species appropriate rotational pure raw diet. But if you keep poisoning your dog, I don't know that that is going to um, help. Yeah. And it right? doesn't matter if you if you feel like you had to do it, because I'll hear that. Well, you know, I think that, you know, I'll, I'll say to somebody, you know, I think the vaccines maybe flared up your dog's itchy skin because, you know, you just gave your dog back. Well, I had to do it. Okay. Well, it doesn't. So, well, so you felt like you had to do it. It's still the vaccines that are flaring up your dog. The fact that you feel like you had to do it, which you really didn't, you always have a choice, as you said earlier. It's still what's flaring up your dog because you just poisoned your dog. So yeah, you're doing this great diet and all these other things and you just poisoned your dog with the vaccines and now the body is trying to detox through the skin. And it doesn't matter whether you had to do it or you, you know, you just had to take your dog on the airplane, you know, at Christmas time to go see grandma because she loves the little dog so much. Well, put the dog in a car and drive, but you're making a choice. Nobody is forcing you to do anything. This, this is all your choice and putting that on somebody else is, you know, it's, 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 it's a cop-out. It's a cop-out so that people don't have to feel accountable for, for what they're doing for, to their pets or themselves. Yeah. yeah. And I will say something that I've been hearing more and more and more of people will tell me, I took my dog in, they got their rabies shot. I took them back in for something else, uh, within a couple of months and they didn't realize at the vet that they'd given the first rabies <laughs> shot. So they gave them another dose. And I'm like, how does that happen? And I, 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 you know what, Dr. Jay-Z, I, 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 I'm afraid what I would do. I, oh. I, I, mm, because First of all, I wouldn't do the first one. But secondly, if somebody just arbitrarily, that's sort of like these parents who had their children that were coerced into getting the the COVID vax because, you know, you want a piece of pizza? Oh, just do you get or a donut or an ice cream cone? Yeah. You know, and, and there was no consent from the parents. I mean, what do you do? You guys, you can't do anything at that point. I mean, I'm not saying legally you can't but you can't take it out of your dog's body right so you gotta be 
be diligent. You know, I have clients that are like, no, you can't take my dog away from me. Because that's what a lot of clinics do. They take the pets away from people and they take them in the back to like do whatever. And I'll ask people, well, did they do this or that or this? Like, they're like, I don't know. I wasn't there. You just say, you're going to work on my pet. I'm going to be there. And if you don't let me be there, then I'm taking my business someplace else. You have to be that strong these days. Don't leave your pet's side. Um, same like when humans go into the hospitals, you know, be there, you know, be there, make sure, you know, when my mom was in the hospital after her final fall, I mean, I spent the night in the ER because I was watching every single thing they were putting into her and I was asking questions and I know all the drugs and, you know, I'd be damned if they were, <laughs> you know, slip in some, you know, COVID test and put her on remdesivir or something, you know, um, I made sure that I knew exactly what they were putting in her body and that it was warranted for, you know, for, for what was going on. And you need to be that same kind of advocate for your pets. And if the clinics are not willing to do that, then go someplace else. There's plenty of, there's plenty of clinics out there that will, you know, you know, and if, and if they're truly on the up and up, and they're truly being honest, then like we were saying, they should have nothing to hide and they should be okay with that. And if you need an advocate on your side, you want to sign up for a telemedicine call with Dr. Judy Jasek. All right. She's going to have a lot more time to help you guys in this way. Um, so make sure that you still get over to the site. The site is still set up for that, Dr. Jasek, now at mm -hmm. AH avet.com um, where you can do the telemedicine. Remember, she can review um, diagnoses. She can review medical records. She can review blood work. Um, so this is awesome. This is awesome. And if you guys suspect that you have a holistic vet just trying to get out, just trying to break free of the matrix. Got to get them out of the closet. Get them out, bring them out, take them aside <laughs> and say, hey, hey, Dr. Judy Jasek is setting up to be um, someone that can help them understand how to create a clinic out of their home. And Dr. Jasek, you've done it. You've got this business in a box, basically, that you can help people have a life, do what they actually went to veterinarian uh, schools to do. And that is to save and increase the health of pets. So let them know that Dr. Jasek is going to be uh, consulting and can help them break free. Get me out of here. Break yeah. And actually, and actually enjoy practicing and use your gifts. You know, I think people go into medicine because they have special interests and they have special gifts and, and, and every person is, is unique. You know, it's one of the reasons we are animal healing arts. Cause I do think healing is an art form and each practitioner has their own unique way of, of practicing and their own special interests. And when they're allowed to let that come out in the world, wow, like they can do so much good and we're all different. We all have different like little niches and different areas of interest. But when practitioners can really practice in a way that feels authentic to them, that's when the miracles happen, truly. Yes, absolutely. And uh, so I'm very excited about this new um, path that you are taking. And for our listeners, this is not going to be anything new to them because they contact you through telemedicine anyway. But um, I'm very excited 
that we will have more people like you in the world. We need them. We've got to have them. And I think that from what I hear, people are hopeless in thinking that they're ever going to find a vet in their area that is truly holistic, that they can really um, trust and that they can work with. And the one thing that I remember about the last two years is that we were in a very hopeless situation in a lot of ways. Um, voices were silenced, uh, information wasn't getting out, and now that's turning. So I think mm -hmm. that you always have to have hope. You always have to keep walking towards that which you want, and you don't let these hiccups, you don't let the valleys, you don't let the boulders uh, stop you. You just got to right. keep going. You got to. You got to do what you believe in, you know, and, what, yeah. and what's true to you. You know, like we're all, we're all unique and we all have gifts to offer this world and you have to stay true to yourself and, and true to, you know, what your energy is. And that's part of my transition is like, I, there's just things I just don't want to do anymore. And it, that drain my energy. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not at my best. I'm not really helping people to the best of my ability if I'm tired and I'm, and I'm worn out. And by making a shift, I will feel more rejuvenated and I'll be able to do more to help people and get other practitioners out in the world doing the front line, some of the things I was doing, and I'm going to feel more rejuvenated and be able to ultimately do more to, to help pets. So we, we have to pay attention to that. It's very easy to let ourselves get run down and, and not be at our best. And when I feel like I'm just not operating at my best because I'm drained and I'm tired, then I know I have to make a shift. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big clue for everyone. Shift it. Shift not it. Sh shift it over. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining the Raw Dog Food Truth. Remember, we have a huge library of podcasts. I don't know how long uh, we've been doing podcasts together, but but quite a while, Dr. Jasekin. I think we've covered just about every subject out there. Um, you can go on Dr. Jasek's site, which is ahavet.com. It's in the multimedia section. Uh, in on my site, raw dog food and company.com. It's in the learning center under podcast, but we have a ton and uh, go back and listen to those. We're still answering questions right here on the podcast. Send me an email at info at rawdogfoodandco.com and we'll get those answers. Get your dog on a species appropriate diet. Um, you're, you're ensuring their health um, it's an insurance policy and they're going to feel better just all around. The senior dogs feel better. Everyone feels better when you get the crap out of their diet. So go to rawdogfoodandco.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.